Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. I had a great question sent in to me from Marty S on Instagram. He asked him to make a podcast comparing the New South Wales and Queensland Maroons uh, spine to the New Zealand Kiwis that will be playing tomorrow against Tonga. 3.20, that one kicks off. It's going to be an absolute cracker. We'll have all of our previews heading into those games coming your way tomorrow afternoon. And straight away, you sort of think, oh, New South Wales and Queensland, they'll have a better spine. But this New Zealand Kiwi spine that they've got right now, it might be the best one they've ever had, to be honest with you. I mean, some of the talent in this spine is incredible. At fullback, Joseph Manu. Now, he's normally a center for the Sydney Roosters. Uh, for me, I think fullback is his better position. I think he is so damaging in the one jersey. So, Manu... He's an absolute juggernaut there. Dylan Brown making his debut for the Kiwis. We've been huge on Dylan Brown over the last few years, and I cannot wait to see him in this black and white jersey. It's going to be unreal. Jerome Hughes, uh, still probably one of the most underrated players in this competition. Obviously, people rate him, but I still don't think people put him in that sort of top five player category like they probably should. He's been incredible over the last few years for the Melbourne Storm. And then the nine, Brandon Smith, the Dally M hooker of the year from last season season. Been a little bit hit and miss for the Melbourne Storm this year. Carried a few injuries and whatnot, but a champion player. This New Zealand spine is one of the best I have ever seen for the New Zealand Kiwis. Potentially the best. All of these guys are in terrific form at the moment. We saw what Manu did a couple of weeks ago when playing fullback. We've seen what he's done at centre over the last few weeks. Dylan Brown, he's in career best form at the moment. And Jerome Hughes, he's missed a couple of games this year, but when he's playing, he has been the most integral part of one of the best teams in the competition right now the Melbourne Storm. Crazy to think. Jerome Hughes was let go of by a couple of NRL clubs, arrived at the Melbourne Storm, wasn't even a halfback. He was a fullback. And here, Craig Bellamy takes this guy and turns him into one of the premier sevens in rugby league. Now, I've got to compare the New Zealand Kiwi spine, which I absolutely love, to the New South Wales and the Queensland spine. So we'll go through those quickly. Obviously, the New South Wales Blues, James Tedesco, a captain. He's going to be very hard to beat. 
the New South Wales Blues, their halves pairing of Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, obviously a premiership winning halves pairing at the Penrith Panthers. Together, they are one hell of a juggernaut, but we're going to compare player by player, so it's going to be interesting to see how the boys match up compared to their Queensland counterparts and the New, and the New Zealand side as well. And of course, in the nine, there's two guys to talk about here, Api Curacao and Damian Cook. We'll talk about both of those. Same with Queensland, and we'll start with their spine and hooker. you got Benny Hunt, and you got Harry Grant. Personally, I think Harry Grant is the best hooker in rugby league, but Ben Hunt, I think he plays the wrong position in first grade. He plays halfback. He's a tremendous halfback. He's probably a top five halfback, top six halfback, uh, without writing them down and, and going through them, but he's very at the he's at the very top um, of the best halfbacks in our game, and personally, I think it's his second best position. I think hooker is Benny Hunt's best position, so that will be a hot field. DCE, Mr. Experience, Mr. Clutch for the Queensland Maroons. Obviously, defensively, there are a number of issues. We've spoken about that a lot throughout the season, and you saw it in Game 1 as well. Cam Munster, the 5'8", the superstar. A lot of people saying he is the best player in rugby league right now. I'm not sure if I'd be happy to draw a line around under Cameron Munster and say, this guy, he's number one, but he's definitely in the conversation for it right up there with the very best of them, and... KP for the Queensland Maroons. So much potential in this kid. And I think you could see, we said all all season that despite his form at Newcastle, once he got into the Origin Arena, he would perform. And I'll tell you what, I thought he was sensational in game one. I thought he was uh, one of the major differences between the two sides, KP. So let's start. Let's start here at the fullbacks. Let's rank them one to three, the fullback that I would most want to have in my side. We've got Joey Manu, KP, and James Tedesco. For me, it has to be James Tedesco. He is number one from the New South Wales Blues. Teddy is the player that I would most want to have in my team at fullback over those three. I would argue that KP and Joey Manu potentially have higher ceilings. Uh, They potentially have better highlights and are probably more entertaining. But Teddy, he just gets the job done every single week. He's been consistent over a long period of time in that jersey, which Joey Manu hasn't been, and he hasn't been given the opportunity to, but we have to base him off what we've seen, and we haven't seen Joey Manu do it for an extended period. Teddy, we have. We've seen him be the very best player on the field on all the big stages, all the rep arenas, you name it. Teddy's done it all. The other two, it's a little bit closer. Now, KP's had a couple of injuries over the last few years. Obviously, he's been banged up a little bit. Origin Arena, he's always been fantastic. I thought he was one of the best on the field in Origin 1. He's obviously played a lot more fullback uh, than Joey Manu has, uh, and he's obviously been more integral to his side as well. If Joey Manu has a quiet game for the Roosters, they can normally win without him. KP, he has to go huge for the Newcastle Knights to win games realistically. I think that there's also a lot more pressure on KP. I think that... Teams obviously do a lot of homework on KP leading into their games against Newcastle. So I think he does have a pretty tough gig there. But I think Joey Manu, just what I've seen of him, I know it's been smaller sample sizes, so that is potentially not fair on KP. Uh, I know that KP, obviously, in the Origin Arena, has come up with big performances. Uh, but I haven't really seen Joey Manu yet on a big stage. I've seen him, obviously, dominate big games, but mostly at centre. I would take the punt on Joey Manu over Kalen Ponga as a fullback, to be honest with you. It is a bit of a gamble, uh, but I would go Joey Manu over KP just slightly, and that probably is unfair on KP, uh, but that's the punt that I would take. So if I had to order the fullbacks, I would go James Tedesco, Joey Manu, and then Kalen Ponga. So for me, I think Joey Manu out of those three is probably the second best fullback, uh, but it is probably unfair. And if you tell me uh, that it's not fair, I've left KP at third place, I probably wouldn't push back on you, to be honest with you. But I'm going to back my gut feel in here, and I'm going to go with 
uh, Joey Manu from the New Zealand Kiwis is my second best fullback. But out of all three, I, I don't even question it. James Tedesco, he's the best out of those guys. Let's have a look at the 5 8. It's really interesting. Jerome Luai for the New South Wales Blues, a premiership winner. Uh, he's obviously the other half of a brilliant halves combination. We've seen a bit of Luai in first grade on his own. Uh, it has been a little bit hit and miss. Sometimes it's been great. Other times he has been a little bit quiet. But it is hard to compare when he's without his halfback. And that might sound like he needs Nathan Cleary to perform, which he doesn't. But it is very hard when you take away a dominant ball player like Nathan Cleary, who is so talented for Jerome Luai to all of a sudden find his groove. If you gave him a whole preseason as Jerome Luai as the main ball player, I think he could do very well. But that's if some buts. Uh, Cameron Munster, though, for the Melbourne Storm, he's been sensational. Now, there is an argument out there, and I think it's a fair argument, that Cameron Munster is a much better player when Jerome Hughes is out there next to him. And that's a fair argument for the Melbourne Storm. He has gone and played for Queensland and been the best player on the field more often than not. Uh, obviously, his hardest partner, DCE, very, very important in steering the ship and controlling the side. But Cam Munster, for me, he is the standout number one pick out of these guys. He will be my number one choice, Cam Munster. So number two comes down to Jerome Luai or Dylan Brown. Now... Dylan Brown, I would say that he's probably got a little bit more upside. He is younger. He's had a probably a better season so far this year. Last year, I thought he had a really good season. He just didn't get the stats to back up what he was doing. Defensively, I think he's probably the best defensive uh, 5'8 out of all of them. I think he's the best defensive half in the... NRL, to be perfectly honest with you. So he's obviously the best out of these three. Attacking-wise, a heap of upside. But then I look at Jerome Lewine. He's obviously done it on the big stages. He's delivered on grand finals. He's played in two grand finals. He's won an Origin Series. I mean, there really isn't much more that Jerome Lewine can do outside of win a comp and do all that stuff without Nathan Cleary, which probably won't happen. He is the other half of one of the best combinations in rugby league. So for me, I would probably go with Jerome Lewine. I think individually... There's an argument for people to go with Dylan Brown. Uh, and I, look, I will say this as well. Dylan Brown, he might be the best defensive 5'8 out of all these three. But the other two are no slouches. It's not very often anyone gets past Cam Munster. And Jerome Lua, I think his defense is really underrated. He always shows the jersey. He always shows up. I think it's a big thing about the Penrith Panthers that we undervalue a lot is just how good defensively both of their half and 5'8 are. And I think it's something that people undervalue in rugby league a lot. I have a lot of conversations uh, where we're talking about halfbacks and five-eights. Take Lachlan Ilias, for example, over the last few weeks, and I've sort of said, look, defensively hasn't really been up to it, and I have people telling me that, oh, yeah, but I don't pay my halfback. I don't pay my five-eight to defend, and I understand that argument. But you look at the Penrith Panthers, you look how good they are defensively, and you expect all your other guys to be able to, to, to defend. For me, I expect my halves to be able to defend. It's very tough to put out a good defensive line when you have a blatant spot defender in there especially where halves and five-eights have to stand, it's a really easy spot to isolate. And for me, your halves, your five-eights, they have to be able to, to defend. All three of these guys can, thankfully. And we'll talk about DCE in a moment, but you can see with the Manly Seagulls where teams attack. They attack around DCE because he's, he's a good tackler. He's not a good defender. He makes poor decisions. He shoots up at the wrong moments. He sort of leaves his other guys stranded. And you see teams... Week in, week out, take advantage of the Manly Seagulls. DCE and those Manly boys, they put a heap of points on the on the board constantly, uh, but they are leaking a lot of points down that edge, and a lot of it comes down to DCE. So for me, 
Defense is incredibly important, but I really can't split these three defensively. So for the runs that Jerome Luai has on the board, he's a premiership winner. He's lost to grand final as well, so he's been to two. Uh, his team's on fire at the moment. He's in charge of the best edge in rugby league right now. Uh, he's also been in the State of Origin arena. He's done incredibly well there. And once again, another one that's probably unfair on Dylan Brown because he hasn't had the opportunity to prove himself on the very big stages. He's very early in his career. It's his first game for the Kiwis because of COVID. He can't play Origin. There's a lot of aspects that go against Dylan Brown here. So for me, I would have to go with Jerome Luai as my second choice. So I would go Cam Munster, Jerome Luai, and then I would have Dylan Brown as my third pick. But... The gap between him and Jerome Luai is closing very quickly, and hopefully Parramatta with the uh, with the group of young kind of guys, like you got Moses, you got Gutho, they're not extremely young, but they're young enough to have another five or six years where they can really have an impact on our game, and I think Dylan Brown could prove to be one of the best in our game over the next few years. So it'll be interesting to see how that contest unfolds over the next few years. Let's have a look at the halfbacks. Now, for me, I still think... Despite form and origin one, I just think as a whole, Nathan Cleary is the most complete player in the NRL. I still believe he is the best player in the NRL. Uh, came back from surgery at the start of the season, had a bit of a delayed start. He's had some cracking games. He's had some quiet games. But I also think that his team is just so good that Nathan Cleary understands it doesn't have to be the Nathan Cleary show week in, week out. Isaiah Yo's got a really hot hand at the moment. Dylan Edwards is going great guns, and that left edge is just on fire. So I think Nathan Cleary is able to understand that it's okay to take a back seat sometimes, a, a, a back step sometimes, and I think that that's a great sign of a matured halfback. He won Origin last year. He won the grand final off his right boot, essentially. It was one of the best kicking performances we have ever seen. I understand Origin 1 was probably one of his worst kicking performances, and I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. But for me, I would still have Nathan Cleary as the obvious number one choice here. Now, I say obvious number one choice, but I'll tell you what. The gap between him and the guy I'm going to choose second, it is closing every single year. He is just, I wouldn't even say he's improving every year, Jerome Hughes, because he is just always at such a top shelf level. I mean, if I said to you in 2020, what does Jerome Hughes have to work on his game? I honestly couldn't have told you. I I, I think this guy, his entire game is just at such a high level. It's not even funny. And I kind of think he's improved at everything over the last two or three years. But I wouldn't say there's one thing in particular in his game that has improved out of sight. He's always had a weirdly good kicking game. He's got a great running game, great passing game. He's always been un- unreal, Jerome Hughes, and he's got a little bit of X factor. You saw that on that on the on the last weekend, the little grubber that he put through for himself. And for me, I personally think he will be the difference tomorrow between the Kiwis and Tonga. So for me, I've got Jerome Hughes. He would be my second choice halfback. He's won a premiership recently. Uh, He's played a lot of finals games. It's good to see him back in the Kiwis jumper. Uh, He hasn't really had that opportunity to prove himself over the last few years. And I think he's going to own that jersey for the rest of his career, essentially. I think he's a tremendous player, Jerome Hughes. I absolutely love him. I love the X factor he brings. My third choice would be the Queensland Maroons. Uh, halfback, DCE. Um, defensively, there are issues with the other two. There aren't. I think Nathan Cleary, he's one of the best defensive halves in the competition. Probably the best defensive halfback, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and Jerome Hughes, he shows a jersey every single week. DCE, we've spoken about it a lot over the last few weeks and over the last few years, realistically. Uh, and I also just think attacking-wise, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Hughes, they've got so much more upside to them. DCE, on his day, he can have the best kicking game out of these three. Uh, but even on his best day, compared to a pretty good day from Cleary and Jerome Hughes, there really isn't a big gap. So DCE, 
He'd be my third choice guy for halfback. Jerome Hughes would be my second, but I'll tell you what, fuck, it's getting close to Nathan Cleary. If the Melbourne Storm managed to win this competition this year and Jerome Hughes has a big say in it, there's a world where he could become my, my number one halfback. That's just how good he is. But at the moment, I'm going to stick with my boy, Nathan Cleary. Now let's go to hookers. And uh, it's a bit bizarre here. We've just compared three players in three different positions. Now we've got to compare five. For the New South Wales Blues, their starting hooker is Api Curacao. Their bench hooker, as it stands right now, is Damian Cook. For the Queensland Maroons, their starting hooker is Benny Hunt. Their bench hooker is Harry Grant. And of course, for the New Zealand Kiwis, they've got Brandon Smith, the hectic cheese at nine. They've also got Kieran Foran on the bench, but I won't include him because he's not really a nine. That'd be a little bit unfair. Let's have a look at the New South Wales Blues hookers first. And Damian Cook has been... I'm anticipating he will start this game, to be honest with you. We'll see how it plays out, but it just doesn't make sense to me. But Cookie, he's been the New South Wales hooker uh, for a number of years now. He's also been the Australian hooker for a number of years. And I think that this year, you'll see a transition. I think you'll either see Ben Hunt or Harry Grant take that jersey. I remember about eight weeks ago, we were sitting on Bloke in a Bar and we were talking about the best hookers in rugby league and we were saying, Damien Cook, Harry Grant. And I sort of said, look, don't underappreciate Api Curacao. He's a guy that I would definitely put in the race to win the Kangaroos jumper at the end of the season. If the Penrith Panthers win a, a second premiership in a row in their third grand final in a row, uh, I really do think that Api could, could be a shout to grab that jersey. And you see him now, he's reportedly going to start game two for the New South Wales Blues. So he is making a lot of ground there. Damien Cook, if I had to pick between Cook and Api Curacao, very different players. I would slightly lean towards Appy though. I've always been a huge fan of Appy. I think Damien Cook in defense is slightly better than Appy, but I don't think there's that much in it. In attack, personally, I think Damien Cook, the running nine, the explosive nine... I sort of think he's he, he, he's still living off things that he did two years ago, two and three years ago. I don't think we've seen the same Damien Cook that everyone tells me uh, we see every single weekend. I just haven't seen it the last few years. Api Curacao, on the other hand, he's been tremendous for the Penrith Panthers, and I really do think it's a huge sliding doors moment. If Api Curacao would have signed with the Canterbury Bulldogs like he was going to, I don't think the Penrith Panthers are the team that they are today. And I personally don't think they would have made it to either of the last two grand finals. And I definitely don't think they would have won a premiership in the last two years if it wasn't for Appy. So as far as the New South Wales team goes, I would probably have Appy in front of Damian Cook. In fact, I would. I know that's a little bit controversial, but I would. And I think you'll see the impact that Appy will have on this New South Wales Blues side in game two. But... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hopefully, it's the little rocket that maybe Damien Cook needs up his ass. Um, not that he needs a rocket up his ass, but hopefully, it might just inspire something a little bit more out of Damien Cook because the last few years, that's been his jersey. There really hasn't been any competition. He knows every year it's his jersey. He feels safe. He might feel a little bit insecure about it now, which might see Freddie get the very best out of Damien Cook. Let's move to the Queensland Maroons hookers, Benny Hunt and Harry Grant. For me, 
I still think Harry Grant is the best nine in rugby league, uh, which sounds crazy because he's in Jersey 14. And Benny Hunt starts in nine. But I just think that's a bit of experience for Ben Hunt. He's been in the Origin Arena. He's done it before. He's dominated it before. I understand that picking Ben Hunt as the starting nine, he'll get through a lot more defensive work. And you want Harry Grant on there fresh. So as much as I love Ben Hunt, I would probably have Harry Grant uh, as the better hooker and the best hooker in the NRL. So at the moment... I would have Harry Grant as my number one, then probably Appy number two. Now, Ben Hunt and Damian Cook, really interesting one. Who would I rather have at nine? This will sound crazy. I think I would actually rather have Ben Hunt at nine. I like Cookie. He doesn't have a kicking game. His passing can be a little bit hit and miss. I think Ben Hunt's ruck recognition is a little bit better. So at the moment, as crazy as it sounds and as hard as it is to divide these guys, I've sort of got Damian Cook as my fourth best hooker out of the State of Origin game. And I said leading into game one, that there's a real world where Harry Grant and Ben Hunt could be the two best hookers on the field here, and Damian Cook could be third. And to some extent, I think that was true uh, in game one. But Damian Cook played 80. Harry Grant and Ben Hunt came on and played little stints. But if I was picking my starting hooker and I was an NRL team and I had to pick out of these four guys who I would want, Harry Grant would be my first choice. Appy would be my second. Ben Hunt, despite playing half black, half back at Clubland, we've seen him play extended periods at hooker. We've seen him play in the rep arena at hooker. He would be my third choice because he's got the added kicking game as well and his ruck recognition is a little bit better than Damian Cook. And he would probably be my fourth choice there, Damian Cook. Now... We get to the New Zealand Kiwis hooker. The hectic cheese, Brandon Smith. He, of course, won Dallium Hooker of the Year last season. Uh, I thought he was tremendous last year. He was incredible. For me, I look at uh, Brandon Smith. I love the way that he plays. I think that sometimes his service can be a little bit hit and miss. And look, I just want to point out to you guys, of course, that we're taking some of the best players in rugby league and we're trying to we're trying to work out where we'd rank them. It's an incredibly hard thing to do. So we have to be a little bit critical to, to decide these guys. I could quite easily sit here and say to you guys, oh, they're all fucking really good and that's the end of the podcast. I'm trying to actually rank them uh, so that I, I've got them in order and it might be harsh on some guys, but... Brandon Smith, I think that when you're 10 metres out from the try line, he's probably the best hooker in rugby league. Now, why is he the best hooker in rugby league when he's so close to the line? I look at Damian Cook on his best day. He's probably got a better running game than Brandon Smith. Harry Grant's got a better running game. Abby Curacao's probably got a better running game. Uh, ben Hunt probably put him about even. But Brandon Smith, if you're 10 metres out and he scoots, He's near impossible to stop. He gets so low to the ground and he is so strong, he's near impossible to stop. And you know what? If you do stop him, it's going to take four or five guys and all of a sudden your defensive line is all just shrunk into that metre and a half where Brandon Smith is. And that's why I find him so dangerous. He is just so lethal when he's five or ten metres out. And if you go back and you have a look at that 2021 season, how good Brandon Smith played, you look at the highlights reel, a lot of it is Brandon Smith scooting out of dummy half from five to ten metres out. And no doubt about it, that's a big part of the game. And four points is four points, however the hell you get it. And as I've always said, Brandon Smith, best hooker in rugby league, ten metres out. The rest of the field, though, he drops below some of these guys. This is why I've always said Harry Grant's the best nine in rugby league. I think Harry Grant's got a better kicking game. I think he's got better service than Brandon Smith. And I think over the first 90 metres of the field, I think he's a little bit better all round. If I'm 10 metres out, I would much rather have Harry Grant at dummy half if I'm defending than Brandon Smith because Brandon Smith's a juggernaut there. So I couldn't have Brandon Smith at number one. I'm going to have Harry Grant at number one. I'm going to have the... Dally M medalist, the, 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 the Dally M hooker medalist from last year, who's in the same team as Harry Grant, 
just below him, which is crazy. I had Happy Kurosawa as my next pick. He's obviously gone on to win premierships at Hooker. He's got the kicking game. Ruck recognition is fantastic. I would probably have Appy slightly in front of Brandon Smith. I just appreciate what Appy's done on the big stages and the impact he's had on his team. Brandon Smith. Now, I would probably have him third. I'd have him and Ben Hunt. About even, I'd probably have him, Ben Hunt, and Damian Cook pretty damn close to each other. If I had to put Brandon Smith somewhere, though, just because of how dangerous he is out of his own end, uh, 10 metres out, I would probably have him there. But I will say this once again, Damian Cook and that of Ben Hunt, I think both of them are probably better in the in, in the other 90 metres of the field. So a really interesting one. Service of Brandon Smith isn't great. Maybe I'd have him fourth, actually, below Ben Hunt. He might even slide to fifth. I'm really having trouble with those last three there between Brandon Smith, Damian Cook, uh, and Ben Hunt. Really tough because at the end of the day, Brandon Smith, he hasn't been a hooker in first grade. He played there last year. He did sensationally well, but he's always been a, a, a middle forward. He's going to go to the Roosters. He's going to become a hooker, and I'd love to have this conversation in probably three years' time when he's when he's got real reps at hooker and when he's allowed to really understand how to play hooker. Previously, he's played as a, as a middle for the Melbourne Storm. Then he played a bit of hooker, a bit of lock forward there. I can't wait to see him at the Roosters when he is an out-and-out out nine, and I think Brandon Smith has come out and said that in a couple of interviews, that he's got so much to learn. It will be scary to see what he can do in a couple of seasons. But for me, Harry Grant would be my number one choice. Appy would be number two. The next three, depending on what day it is, I could probably argue to have them in different positions. Uh, but those are my clear top two. I would have Harry Grant and I have Appy Curacao there. So for me, I look at all of those positions and fullback, I had a New South Welshman in James Tedesco. Uh, 5'8", I had a Queenslander in uh, Cameron Munster. Halfback, I had a New South Welshman in uh, Nathan Cleary. But Jerome Hughes, incredibly close. There's a fair argument that Jerome Hughes could jump him over the next few months if the Melbourne Storm managed to win this premiership. It is hard because Jerome Hughes can't play origin like all these Kiwi boys. It makes it very difficult. Then we get to hooker. I would still take Apicurasau and I would take Harry Grant before I take Brandon Smith. But a cracking question from Marty. Let me know, where would you order these guys? I think that despite me picking New South Wales and Queensland players for all those positions over the New Zealand Kiwis boys, I do think that on their day, Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes, Brandon Smith and Joey Manu, could they be the best spine on their day? 100%. If these guys all play a really good game, 100%, I think they could get the better of the New South Wales Blues spine and the Queensland Maroons spine. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. But if I'm trying to rank these guys and I'm trying not to sit on the fence, that's probably how I would have it. Send me a message on Instagram. Let me know where would you rank these guys. Do you think this New Zealand Kiwi side, if you were to play like a Tri-Nations tournament, how would they go against the New South Wales Blues and the Queensland Maroons? Personally, I think they'd go bloody close. Tomorrow, we have got the three games of round the three internationals. They're going to be three absolute crackers. We'll have all of those previews dropping tomorrow morning on the podcast. We'll also be going through our predictions and our best bets in each of those ones. Kicking off the first game, 320, the New Zealand Kiwis taking on Tonga. That one is going to be an absolute belter. Potentially game of the weekend, probably second best game of the weekend after Origin 2. You would have to assume that that one's going to be an absolute cracker. But if something happens that New Zealand versus Tonga ends up being the game of the week, is anyone going to be really surprised? These two very proud nations. It's been a while since we've had a test match. A couple of debutants coming into both sides. A couple of new talents, which I'm really excited to see. It's going to be a cracking weekend. Stay tuned for all of those previews for the three games tomorrow afternoon. And then a huge Sunday. 
on the Rugby League Guru podcast, leading into State of Origin Game 2 from Perth. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.